0: this is the shift podcast.
1: Today on the shift daily podcast, there was a pipeline company in the United States that was hacked. Hank the hacker helps us understand how it happened, how it could happen in Canada, and what is ransomware, infrastructure hacking, and how we can prevent it. Andy Barrar is back with DIY tips on his garden plus, he's trying to figure out how to get YouTube premium for a buck. We'll see if he does that. And are you okay? with condors? Yes the bird. It's not a typo. Are you okay? Guess I don't have time to go get coffee then. I'm also hoping to go get coffee there. <sighs> Are you okay with reporters?
0: Yeah, some of them. I mean, well, a lot of them. Most mm-hmm. of them. Most of them? Yeah. I mean, as long as I bro, I couldn't do my job without reporters. None of us could do our jobs without reporters. for all of our content. Yeah. Well, yeah, you want to fill a four-hour show by just talking about uh, KRS-One? Hey, you might have fun doing that. KRS-One is a fantastic poet, I'll have you know. That's true. No, I'm not going to debate. I won't debate that. You are correct. Uh, But reporters are great. I mean, obviously, there are some people who work for news organizations that, uh, you know... (laughs) Don't do much reporting, but for the most part, absolutely. All
1: right. Well, reporters are all right. I mean, look, the reality is, is everyone has info that they want to know, and reporters go get that info, keep you plugged into what's going on in your community. One reporter in the States came to the rescue this weekend, which she was at the right place at the right time. 7 News reporter Juliana Maza was covering the story of a stolen dog in Cambridge on Saturday, when she and her photographer spotted something. A man walking with the missing dog. Dun, dun, dun. Cambridge police said a man broke into a car parked near 620 Memorial Drive just after 1230 p.m. on Friday. Stole a 13-month-old white German short-haired pointer from the vehicle. Surveillance cab- uh, cameras captured the suspect walking the dog named Titus over the uh, Boston University Bridge into Boston. Here's the report. From Juliana, Superwoman Saves the Day, Maza.
2: Oh, my god! That's me motioning to my photographer, John, to start rolling when I realized we had spotted the dog reported stolen in Cambridge and the man seen in surveillance video accused of taking him. We start asking the man a few questions, and he admits to taking the animal.
3: He was just barking in the car, and I walked past the car, and I... Really, I thought it was supposed to to be dog walking. It wasn't a kidnapping, it was just a simple mistake.
2: A simple mistake, he said, but police say 24 hours had gone by since Titus was taken, and the suspect never called them, nor the owner, whose phone number is on the dog tag. You didn't think Um, to call the number on the tag?
3: I did, but then I I tried using one phone, the phone was broken, and um, I just...
2: That's when we called Cambridge Police. Hey, dispatcher, this is Juliana over at 7 News. Um, I actually have the dog, Titus, and uh, the man who said it was an accident that he took the dog with me right now. Within a matter of two minutes, officers arrived, as did Titus' owner.
3: When they said that they had him.
2: 24 hours after being stolen from Greg's car in Cambridge, Titus is okay and back home with his dog, Dad. (laughs) An emotional reunion, and one we were grateful to be there for.
3: I'm just glad that the person came back, and I'm glad that you guys were there. Titus, say thank you.
2: We're so happy that you're home. (laughs) The suspect, now identified as 29-year-old Kyle Garrape of Boston, was taken into custody. He's charged with larceny and breaking and entering into a motor vehicle with intent to commit a felony.
1: Well, I guess if you're caught on camera, there's not much point running away. Save yourself a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, I'll give him credit there, but I do think it's pretty kind of funny. He said, "Oh no, no, it's not dog napping. I just thought I was dog walking and saw the dog and stole it from the car and well." Took let's acknowledge.
1: Walk. Let's acknowledge a good dog thief for um walking the dog the next day.
0: I I guess he really wanted to take care of that dog, but it's not your dog, bro. Here's a here's a tip.
1: If you're going to steal a dog, probably don't steal it from your own neighborhood and then walk it around your neighborhood.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know. That's kind of like when you steal somebody's bike and then ride their bike around the neighborhood or when you steal somebody's car and then you drive the car past their house. It's much like my old uh, friend, a college friend, Corey, who stole his neighbor's barbecue.
4: Ooh, brazen. That's
0: brazen. And, oh,
1: very good. And literally right next door <laughs> and moved it over to his uh deck and put it on his deck and barbecued with it. Wow. At a house that did not even have a fence in between. Oh so Wait. you literally could see
0: it right there. Did he give it back? Like was it just for no, one I- night? No, the guy
1: never even asked. He just is like... Whoa, (laughs) really? We'll get the barbecue. Wow. (laughs) I don't know if we didn't figure (laughs) it out or what. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: bold. Brazen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brazed, actually, I guess, with a barbecue. Mm -hmm. Are you okay? Are you okay
4: with Belgium? Yeah, why not? Why not? I... I... Gotta say, I don't know much. I don't know nice. much. About Belgium? I, I, yeah. Well,
1: it's right next to France.
4: Okay. It's
1: got Brussels there where they do all kinds of fancy, like, mm-hmm. international law stuff. I suppose that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um Yeah. Uh, they've actually lifted their limits on outdoor dining.
0: Oh, okay. Doing well mm-hmm. with the COVID. That's good. It's also, I mean, like, the site of... Like very important pivotal moments in European history, mostly stuff to do with war, because it's just the neutral country (laughs) stuck in the middle that Germany wanted to go through way too many times. Uh, So, but I would, I've always wanted to go to Belgium for that reason to see those uh, monuments and World War II history sites. Uh, But, and it also looks like a beautiful country.
1: What's the climate like? Very little. It's north of France.
0: Okay. Or like England. Okay. Something like that. They make really good beer yeah, too. I, yeah, that I do know. Yeah, I mean okay. it's
1: it's north of France, and it's uh, kind of between France and the Netherlands, and it's right neighbors with Germany. They share a lot of the a lot of the same sounds in the language.
0: I see people are texting chocolate too. Okay, so beer and chocolate. Oh. Uh, I like this. It's winning me there over. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, a Belgian farmer is causing more laughter than anger after he accidentally moved France's border, making Belgium a little bit bigger. As Redmond Shannon explains, the land grab is causing a bit of a stir and involves a tractor, a rock,
4: and the legacy of Napoleon. French President Emmanuel Macron marked the 200th anniversary of the death of Napoleon Bonaparte this week. Napoleon Bonaparte is part of nous. Napoleon's complex legacy stretches across the globe, and his famous defeat at Waterloo in 1815 literally reshaped France. In the aftermath, stones like these were placed along its new border with what is now Belgium, a frontier that hasn't budged in two centuries until this year. And this maintenant that is se now, As the local Belgian mayor explains, a farmer dug up this stone and moved it two metres into France, accidentally claiming extra territory for Belgium. It's believed the stone was blocking his tractor's path. There's no budging it, he says. It's twice as deep as it is high. No one would have known were it not for three local history buffs. They recently noticed the stone was out of place. I lost 2 metres and 29 centimetres to be precise, says the neighbouring French farmer. A forestry worker suggests the Belgian farmer knew exactly what he was doing and, technically speaking, moving the border is an act of war. Ça
5: nous appartient. Ça nous appartient.
4: Even some of the French villagers say it's their land and they want it back. Convoqué par le des Affaires étrangères Belge. The Belgian mayor says do not worry. If the farmer doesn't move the stone back, he'll set up a border commission to make it happen. After all, these markers should symbolise the end of a battle, not the start of one. Redmond Shannon, Global News.
1: That's kind of fun. It's
0: fine like but I also farmer. it's crazy that people are like we want our land back it, it's two meters <laughs> it's, it's it's, just this tiny little gap and yet it causes an international story for two meters of land
1: okay so some things about Belgium that you may have not known you ready? oh yeah Flanders, Flanders Field in Flanders Field where poppies blow That's in Belgium. Flanders. Mm -hmm. Uh, Belgium. uh, Belgium, That's diamonds, right? Like you hear all about the diamonds. That's where the good diamond robberies always happen in the movies. Um, Two official languages in Belgium. One is not (laughs) Belgiumese. Just to be clear, do you want to take a wild guess what they are? Uh,
0: French. French and and Dutch, Uh probably.
1: It's not Dutch, but it's Flemish, which is kind of Dutch. Oh, So it's more like a dialect from what I understand it to be. But yes, it is Flemish, but it's more of the Flemish language in the Flanders area, which is like Dutch. There's Flemish, Dutch, French, German, Luxembourgish. Then there's uh, Limburgish, uh, Brabantian, East and West Flemish, Lodich, Walloon, Picard, Champenois, and Lorraine are all different dialects and languages that are spoken in Belgium. Cool, huh? I think that's cool. Uh,
0: cool And that's where it is. It's right in that pocket. Yeah, it's an amazing part of the world, and they speak a language called Flemish. (laughs) That's amazing. You've
4: won me over. Let's book it. It's right on
0: the water. The English Channel. It's right there. It's actually
1: one of the closest, it's pretty close to one of the um, one of the closest areas, and if you've watched the movie or heard the story of Dunkirk, Dunkirk is on the north end of France, just like right there is Belgium. So, all of the history that we hear about, a lot of it happened right there in Belgium. So there you go. Are you okay? Nice little history lesson there, isn't it?
0: Are you okay with condors?
1: Or is that a typo? <laughs> no,
0: no. It is condors, the bird, oh, okay. which are the coolest bird on the planet. They're menacing looking. I'm just looking on Google images right here. Menacing. They can fly at 18,000 feet and flap their wings once or twice a day and fly all day because they can glide. It's They're the coolest things. I love condors and it sounds cool. Did you know some do you know some birds sleep when they fly? Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. not fair. We can't even fly as humans. These birds can go up in the air and take a nap. That's not fair. Yeah, they do. It's like they call I
1: forget what the name is. It's something like a half hemisphere awareness thing where they don't actually ever really sleep. They basically shut off half their brain. And that half of their brain rests and they're essentially sleeping while they're flying. Would you like... they'll But they only do it for like 10 seconds at a time.
0: But would you like to be able to do that? Like to sleep and walk? Ooh. No. Well, I know I
1: that every I'd time be... that I've parked my car and I've been sleepy while driving and I've parked it on the side of the road or in like one of those roadside turnouts, I fall asleep and then I often will dream that I'm driving. And then I wake up and I'm panicked because I'm like, I can't be driving. I'm sleeping right now. And then you jump awake You truckers must know what this is like when you pull over and have a rest. Then you wake up and you're like, oh, right, I pulled over. I'm smart. So if I was a bird like a condor and I was flying and having a nap, what if you had like a dream that you were like falling as a condor when you're flying? And then, you know, heights. It would be scary.
4: Yeah. There's a lot less to Are are
1: you okay with... Let's Go ahead.
4: Sorry, to say there's a lot less to run into up there, though.
1: Well, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay with condors? The giant birds were at one point seriously endangered.
4: But here is some good news from GeoBeats. For the first time in 50 years, endangered California condors have been spotted in Sequoia National Park. The park reports that their appearance is the result of a breeding and repopulation effort that was launched in the early 1980s. At that time, only 22 were known to live in the state. All of them are trapped and made part of a captive breeding program at the Los Angeles Zoo and San Diego Wild Animal Park. According to the park, the first condor releases from that effort took place in 1992. And in the decades since, populations have grown and gradually expanded into their historic range.
1: Um, well, isn't that guy just exciting to listen to? That
0: was great, right? I can't remember a, a like. Person.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably AI. Condors look like a bald ego had a love child with a turkey
0: and a vulture. It's a pretty apt description looking at this right here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So this is great news for condors. They're back. It's terrible news for a California woman whose home is being swarmed by condors. According to the SA Francis, Fra, Francisco.
0: <laughs> Where's that? San Francisco. Going out to sunny San Francisco.
1: Francisco.
0: Okay, well that's cool. That's I don't right. have the new glasses yet. That that's why. That's why it's there.
1: Okay, well, that's cool. No, that's I can I can I can work with this. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, that's a typo. About 15 to 20 of the giant endangered birds have recently taken a liking to the house in the city of Tehachapi and have made quite a mess. The birds have trashed their deck, ruining the spa cover. Oh, no. Decorative flags and lawn ornaments. Plants have been knocked over. Railings have been scratched. And there's poop everywhere. Sounds like a frat house. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which runs a program to save the species from extinction, responded on Twitter. The agency noted that the house is... In historic condor habitat, it suggested that the Mikkels try harmless hazing like shouting and clapping and spraying water. Historic condor habitat, like that's the house?
0: Yeah. You should look up what these birds have done to this house. It's ridiculous the damage that these birds are doing. And they're not joking when they say there's bird poop everywhere. I've, uh, I have tried
1: that. I tried to search um, condor swarm house in San Francisco. I'm oh. not
0: getting, uh, I'm maybe not try getting any res- and results. Y- there's actually another pronunciation of San Francisco, the incorrect one, which is San Francisco. So maybe try looking that up. You might have more. Oh, more.
1: oh yeah. there it is. Look, there's a bunch of condors oh. and a bunch of poop. How about that? That's interesting. Uh, which, by the way, don't call it San Fran anymore. That's not uh, cool, I've been told. It's now um Frisco.
0: I've heard that one before. But why no San Fran anymore? Is it just the trend is over? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think it's just not cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more. Are you okay?
0: Are you okay with streaming movies?
4: It's all we have. It's all we have.
0: <laughs> it's all we have. <laughs> right. I uh, Streaming's cool, but if I could have the Blu-ray, that's usually my preferred method.
1: What about blasting movies in the background when you're in a political meeting? According to Hurt on the Hill down in the States, uh, they began Monday's House Appropriations Subcommittee. She seemed to be unaware of the peril of the crew of the USS Stingray was in. <laughs> Little did they know, audio from the movie 1996's Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer <laughs> as a disliked Navy officer who leads a crew of misfits on hijinks in the high seas and some amid some war games, was playing over the congressional live stream. After the movie ended, the hearing continued. Testifying over the soundtrack of In the Navy from the village people. And that's when uh, Galaxy Quest began. Man, not only not only died Periscope play over the meeting, but the sci-fi classic did too. And this is what it sounds like.
0: I'm told that a representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas uh, is uh, prepared to testify. and uh, I am not quite sure who is the second uh, panelist. Um, uh, I believe it's Representative H. Morgan Griffith uh, as well, so if we could bring those witnesses forward. Thank you. Um, We've been informed that we'll have to take a brief recess now uh, because we're having technical issues and uh, we're going to just be briefly recessing for a second here. Uh, Let them address those and we'll be back very quickly. Sorry to do this.
4: This hasn't happened before, but it's a new age, so give us a couple moments. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Which, by the way, I'm not a cat. My assistant is is helping me to not be a cat. (laughs) I like
0: that. This is the Shift Podcast.
1: Over the last year or so here on the Shift, we have spoken about all kinds of vulnerabilities for hacking. The biggest one for me that I've always connected with it all has always been the electrical grid. Holy moly! If we're gonna go all electric in this world of ours, is our electrical grid ready for that? Well, turns out there are other options for bad guys. Hank Fordham is with Centurion Defense. Uh, he's also Hank the Hacker here on the shift. He's our brother, friend of the shift. How are you, Hank?
5: Not bad. How are you doing, Shane?
1: I'm good. Thank you very much. Pipeline awesome. hacks. We didn't. I didn't see this one coming. Did you see this one coming?
5: You know, um, without saying too much about my my job, uh, I actually kind of did, you know, it's not uncommon nowadays um, to see this kind of neglect from oil and gas companies towards their, uh, you know, their network security. And and I think this is this speaks really well on that.
1: Well, so there was a cyber attack and extortion attempt at colonial pipelines down in the States. It is considered to be the worst to date on America infrastructure in general. Now, as Canada has an awful lot of the same infrastructure, can you help us understand what happened here?
5: So what happened is uh, a new kind of what what we're kind of considering a new group um, that's doing ransomware as a service. their strain of ransomware, their tool, their malware was used against colonial pipelines in an attempt to, or a, a successful attempt to encrypt some of their data and make it. So usually the goal from this is, is that the company won't have a backup or something in place. So they have to pay to have that data unencrypted or to have the data not released to the public. Um, And so in this case, with the same kind of thing, we had one of the users from the dark side ransomware as a service group. uh, And, you know, they ended up attacking Colonial, uh, the Colonial Pipeline Company. And I think as kind of a mitigation, Colonial shut down the pipelines uh, that may have been affected to stop any kind of, um, stop the attack from spreading and kind of make sure and see what they were dealing with and and mitigate it by using backups or otherwise.
1: So that, I mean, makes sense. I mean, someone is in the system, you don't know how widespread it is, you don't know how deep they can go. And you probably also don't know what they're capable of. When you're dealing with a gas line seems to make sense to push a full stop as opposed to, say, somebody opening up the taps and cranking up the pressure if that's what they wanted to do, a terrorist attack kind of style. So all of that sort of makes sense. Now, this was ransomware or a ransom attack, as far as I understand it. Mm -hmm. So help us understand what happened from that perspective. they get in? Did they lock out Colonial or did they get control of the infrastructure?
5: So what seems to have happened in, in this case is that they simply locked them out. I don't think that the hackers actually had any kind of control over the infrastructure past encrypting things and making it difficult for... Uh, normal operations to carry out. But um, I also think, uh, you know, in this case, and and what we're starting to see a lot more of, is that the hackers, you know, might have been threatening to leak information if there wasn't a ransom paid. And so regardless of if, if Colonial is able to mitigate this problem by using backups, there still may be some personal information or or some really sensitive information that, that's leaked to the public as a result of this attack.
1: So that could be as just the basic corporate stuff, corporate plans, corporate
5: documents. Absolutely, yeah, insider Basically. information. And yeah. it could even go as far as, you know, depending on uh, Colonial's client base, um, it could go as far as, you know, third party uh energy providers um or oil providers that you know and their client information whether that be address or name or whatever so they nobody really knows the extent of the uh the breach just yet and i think that colonial is still trying to kind of wrap their fingers around it but um you know i wouldn't be su- i wouldn't be surprised to see you know a repeat kind of incident of what we see in the past where they just, they leak personal information. If a ransom wasn't paid,
1: do we know if a ransom was paid in this situation?
5: I'm not sure. I don't think they did pay a ransom. I think they just shut down and then they would have started mitigating with backups or, or whatever uh, they had in place. And uh, that's kind of what you're seeing more of now because people are more aware of, of ransomware. It's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when it seems so, uh, you know, I, I think in this case, I don't think they paid around ransomware, and I think they're they're trying to do mitigations alternatively.
1: Okay, so you said DarkSide was among the suspects involved with this. How does that work on that end of the hacker, like this black hat hacker who is trying to extort money from a corporation, a very large corporation, by the way, mm-hmm. and let's give some scope to that as I ask the question, is that um, there was a, an analyst down in the state said the Colonial Pipeline is a lifeblood supply and pricing to the eastern seaboard of America, 2.5 million barrels a day, about 45% of East Coast America's supply of diesel, petrol, and jet fuel. It's 10 states it runs through. Um, there's not a supply shortage, but shutting that down has a very large impact. So, how does Dark Side function? Cause I guess I kind of maybe have this stigma that it's just a bunch of hooligans that get together and they're like, let's do this today, but it must be somewhat organized to go after a company that is that big, that has, they do their research to know that it's that much impact.
5: You know that I was thinking about that too, when I heard about this is, and, and that's a really good point is that, um, you know, this very well could go further than just, Oh, you know, it, we just wanted some money or it's some ransomware gang, just trying to get some money it it kind of speaks well to things becoming more and more complex with uh, the fact that, you know, this group might not just, might've not just been interested in, in just the money. And, but like you said, they did their research and they know that, you know, the supply rate that colonial has to the Eastern board of this, uh, of the U S and, and they know the effect that that'll have on things like maybe even the price of oil um, and, and, you know the price of of that resource in in that area of the US so um you know i don't i don't think that's too far fetched and, and I, I i wouldn't honestly be surprised if if that was the case in in this circumstance where either dark side or someone that was using their ransomware service knew that that would be the case
1: so when we look at this i mean not to get overly hollywood on it but I've always assumed that sometimes these kinds of hacks are a test to see what kind of access and response they get out of corporate, or it could be a distraction and something else going on. So like you said, research about the price of oil. Now, this is a very Hollywood theory, but if there's somebody who's playing markets, they might not care about the million dollars that they get out of company to give it back, right? They could have other interests elsewhere in marketplace and they could be trying to influence marketplace. So, I mean, that's very Hollywood of me. I get that, but do we often see it as simple black and white as, Hey, got your stuff. Give me a million bucks. I'm never going to bother you again. It's never that simple. Is it?
5: You know, when, when ransomware was first kind of becoming a thing. And when I was first witnessing it in, in 2013, That was as far as it went you know like okay we got uh we got ransomware on your files we encrypted your files give us the money we'll we'll leave we'll never come back and it it slowly evolved because people realized that corporations were willing to go further than they asked like uh you know for example if if someone hit a, a fortune 400 or 500 with a thousand dollar ransomware, they kind of realized, well, shit, we could have asked for a million dollars. And then, and then after that they got the million dollars and they're like, well, you know, we could have gone a little bit further. And then we could go back in three months and say, well, if you don't pay another million dollars, then we will leak the information. So it kind of like as people endorsed or, or supported the idea of paying the ransom back, it kind of encouraged the bad guys to get a little bit more greedy. And, you know, now we have things like them returning and asking for another ransom or uh, them leaking the information to the public, which generally wasn't the case when it was first coming out. It was either you paid or they just left and, and you didn't get your data back.
1: Well, and, and that's just the thing, right? I mean, the damage it can do on the industry as well, the damage it can do on a company the damage it could do on a publicly traded company absolutely I mean, imagine that so say say they go after a publicly traded company they get hacked stocks fall because they claim to have information about shares or inside information about you know products stocks fall buy up a bunch of stocks or at least have a method to buy a bunch of stocks and not get caught then release the data back, do the deal for a million dollars, call it a day and stocks come back up and you've made a bunch of money. There is money to be made in all of this. So now is it a, I guess that you said this dark side service, but really is it a mastermind like some nefarious bank robber, digital bank robber that's, that's in this, or is it you just Hire a bunch of people around the world, throw them some dough, and get them to do it for you. Because it seems to me you wouldn't want your fingerprint on this.
5: You know, I th- I think it's a little bit of both because um, you run into uh, organized crime groups or, or nation state sponsored groups that uh, are able to carry out these really effective attacks with with just a small or you know in some cases actually a large sponsored group, but. Um, you also run into where these organized crime rings like Darkside, for example, create their own ransomware, they offer it as a service, and then you literally do have a bunch of random people from around the world that otherwise wouldn't have the tech know-how to make their own ransomware going out and, and infecting anyone they you know, college students, pizza store, any anything they can get with ransomware. And uh and, and then kind of accepting a payout and sending back the, the um, dark side group or whoever is servicing that, that ransomware, they'll send them back a, a portion of the proceeds. So, it, you know, you're really running into both demographics now where you have a state sponsored or, uh, you know, organized crime, like groups doing this. And then there's, you know, everyone from, Uh, you know, a teenager in his mom's basement is able to carry these attacks out.
1: Apps have been an access point in a lot of ways. Android apps, not monitored the same way the Apple system is, but the Apple system has not been uh, completely excused of people getting nefarious code in. Now, it seems to be getting better. We hear less and less stories about that stuff. More and more likely, we hear that the data side, server side, data getting taken versus someone getting into the app per se. Now with this though, this makes me curious in today's world of get free stuff online, it is possible that we sign up for something that's free, right? Whether imagine if it's an MLM. So Hank, I got this great deal. Lose weight. Now I've got this new business product. So I go, and I'm like, you sign up, and I sign up, and we're selling some multi-level marketing thing with a piece of software that you put on your computer so you can manage all your clients. Well, little do we know that the person who built the MLM got their technology, their software, through some sort of discounted or free service online. They don't know who built it.
5: Or they bad got guys, from Russia.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But bad guys go and put uh, this kind of you know, sharing ransomware-type trojan horse software that's built into it nobody knows so unwittingly you and i think we're selling we're selling how to lose weight marketing the reality is, of vitamins the reality is is that what's actually happening in the background is we are just a massive network of people that are distributing a virus and we don't know about it can these things is this is like the level or is that just way too tinfoil hat of me
5: no that's so i'm I'm impressed, Shane. That's genius. Like that, you know, and, and the wrong kind
1: of genius.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you, you, you know, you'd be surprised because this is actually happening right now. And, um, kind of what I would maybe compare it to is, is, you know, maybe some of the supply chain attacks we've seen, but, uh, I think that, you know, kind of what you just explained is happening a lot more. And, and we're seeing that, a lot more, not only with, you know, uh, an MLM project forwarding malware through its clients, but, but even, um, you know, social media networks, uh, manipulating youth to, to make different choices or to purchase different products or even invest in certain things. And, um, so I, I, I think that is happening and I, you know, I think it's happening probably a lot more than we even realize because of how, uh, like how shady and, and how secretive or, or how obvious it can get um when it's actually happening. So uh you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I don't have any solid examples of this happening, but uh I wouldn't be surprised if we started hearing a lot more about that, especially with people working from home and having that kind of inclination to go and create a little bit of extra money on on the side like that.
1: Yeah. Well, access to side hustle, and what is the first thing of someone who wants a little side hustle to put three or four hundred bucks in the bank, you know, to save up for their vacation? What's yeah. the first thing that they do? they do is they look to do it on the cheap. Absolutely. How do you how do you get your calendar for free? How do you get your email for free? Oh, look at this client management software—it's free. Yeah, right. Well, it's never really free.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. Your data ends up usually being the price. <laughs> right.
1: Man, this is remarkable. Well, here in Canada, we have a lot of networks. Uh, Has there been anything that we need to know of when it comes to Canadians that you've heard in regards to infrastructure happening? Um, Or is this still this isolated American incident on Colonial Pipeline, just something that we need to take note of and be ready for?
5: Um, I think that, you know, I think that this is a good kind of uh, pre-shad or kind of a warning for Canadian oil and gas companies to... I don't know, take the opportunity to take cybersecurity a little more seriously rather than, uh, you know, looking for that, that insurance stamp or just looking to have some kind of, a you know, a lot of people are doing, um, cybersecurity and oil and gas just for policy or because it's, it's part of regulation. But, uh, I, I think that it really needs to become, you know, more adopted and people need to be a little more aware and accepting, uh, Towards like using cybersecurity in a way that it should be used, and and trying to protect your company and your infrastructure from becoming a victim to the same kind of attack. Because there is absolutely nothing saying that uh, you know no company in Canada won't fall victim to the exact same group, the exact same kind of attack, uh, the exact same vulnerabilities. It's it's all very universal. So. Um I guess what I'm saying is if it happened to them it can definitely happen to us.
1: Well, and worth noting too that uh Sarbanes-Oxley Act which came in to protect investors with things like technology minimums on technology and cybersecurity if you're a publicly traded company mm-hmm. would also means that lots of private organizations would not necessarily follow those same technology standards to protect their customers because exactly. they don't have to.
5: Yep. Wow. Yeah, you're exactly right, and, and that's what you run into a lot nowadays with especially oil and gas.
1: Hank the Hacker, he's a white hat hacker. They're the good kind. They're the friendly kind. They're the kind that makes sure that – they come to your business and they make sure that the bad guys can't get in because they try to break in themselves. So it's remarkable stuff, Hank. Thanks for the insight. And I really hope this is one of these conversations that we don't have to have again for a
5: long time. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. And yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Although it keeps me in the job, so.
1: Well, there's a little bit of that, I suppose. It keeps <laughs> me in the job too, so. Fair enough.
0: It's the Shift Podcast.
1: I'll tell you what, let's bring in uh, Disco Andy here. Handy Andy Barrar, And let's uh, let's ask Handy Andy. You're a tech geek. Grammarly and all of these autocorrect scenarios, have you ever had to use one or do you ever like to
3: use no. one, Andy? Shane, if it wasn't for spell correct and grammarly, I wouldn't be able to write. Um, I have such bad spelling. It is so bad that I'm pretty sure there's like a genetic component of why I'm such a bad speller. Like my last name is spelt wrong. So I think it runs through my family. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You told me that story.
1: Can you tell that story, Chris quickly about your grandfather coming to Canada and how he didn't know how to spell?
3: Yeah. So my grandfather came to Canada in 1905 or 1904, 1905. It really depends who you talk to in my family. Mm -hmm. But when he came, everybody back then, you know, from India, they, they went by Singh. Like that, that's how they, their last names, but Singh is actually our middle name. So when he came here, somehow they spelled Barar as barrier. So it's like Barry with an ER at the end. And so when a lot of like Indo-Canadians like meet me and, and they look at my name and they just like, I don't get it. And I'm like, it, it goes way back and no one in my family on my dad's side can spell I'm the best speller and I'm literally the worst out of anyone that I know in the general population. So spell checker, grammarly, those have really saved me and got me through school, to be honest. And I, I have a lot of words. I just don't know how to spell them, Shane. That's the only That's problem. Great.
1: That'll be the quote of the night, by the way. I'm such a bad speller, my last name is spelled wrong.
3: <laughs> I, I'm telling That's you, a there's, there's got to be a genetic clip. component to that. There's, it, everybody in my family like on my dad's side can't spell like and pretty smart people but not not when it comes to putting words on paper
1: uh handyandymedia.com andy barrar uh just search handy andy because he doesn't even know how to spell his own last name uh we're talking about a couple of things first of all i wanted to acknowledge your lettuce and how it's ready for harvest in early may your community garden very cool stuff
3: you saw the pictures. It it's ready. I'm I've been eating it. I've been giving it away to people. Um, Everyone's surprised that I already have lettuce growing. But hey, early bird gets the worm. Even when it comes to gardening, if you start indoors, especially these cold crops, you can transplant them. Like it at just does. Last frost, and and you know what? You, you'll be harvesting. So I'm on a roll right now. I have to do another round of seeds to to get for the summer season because these ones are starting to even seed right now my kale is seeding right now so yeah Mm -hmm. early bird gets the worm shane
1: snowed in calgary this weekend though thanks for reminding (laughs) me okay so where are we uh where are we going here with your youtube conversation because it sounds like you're stealing youtube now
3: no no okay i i need some advice so i watch a lot of youtube and you know how youtube works it has ads well what you can do is you can get youtube premium which is kind of like a netflix you get this monthly subscription And then you don't have to um, watch the ads. However, I found a little hack Mm -hmm. where I can only pay $1 a month for YouTube premium. And I was just about to do it. And you know me, I'm like a DIY how-to person. I was like, maybe I should film each of these steps and put it on YouTube, ironically enough. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm like, am am I going to get in trouble? Because, you know... If I start coming on the radio going, hey, I, everybody, I, I made a video on how to, you can get YouTube for $1. I don't know if it's legal. It's really in the gray area because there is a country in this world where you only have to pay a dollar and through a little VPN trickery, oh. you can make it look like you're from that country. So well, I, you know what? I was going to do it tomorrow, but I was like, I should talk to Shane. You're, you're, you always give me good advice. And I'm always yeah. like... I'm always walking that fine line of am I going to get in trouble? So what what do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, the first thing, um, I would imagine that you would have to have a form of payment not from that country um, or from that country. So maybe one of those, you know, pay with PayPal kind of scenarios. Um, But here's the thing is that I'm not a lawyer. So really, if it's a dollar a month for YouTube, my advice for you is: you go do it, see if you get caught, and let me know. Um, <laughs> but that's self—that's self-serving advice at this point. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, in today's world with technology, I—I I guess if I'm going to be a Canadian and I look at uh, Canada, I mean, YouTube's not a Canadian company, and I do believe in supporting, you know, business because that's what you know. kind of what makes the world go around. But if there's a deal out there and you can get the deal, it's like having a coupon, then that's their responsibility as a business. And I would also say for the amount of, you know, giant companies that don't pay GST in Canada, charge, collect and remit GST payments. I would say that, uh, yeah, I mean, why not go for it? I just don't okay. think that you're going to get much success in recording it and posting it on YouTube. I think you're probably going to get banned from that pretty quickly.
3: I, well, I, I don't know. I, like, I just kind of there, a part of me. I'm still like that 15 year old boy, you know, who's always trying to like hack into something or, or try to get a little something free online. You're cheap. You know, are just like me.
1: That, you're just cheap.
3: I, I know. I but you know what? Uh, yeah, okay. You're right. You're right. But yeah, that's it's all just, it is.
1: It's nothing more than being cheap. Just embrace it, brother. You're gonna feel better hey, when you just like I'm. and then I just call it frugal, and then I feel better about all of it.
3: Hey, but do you remember back in the day? I remember being a kid when they had pay phones, there was a way you could use a little clip um, and, and get free calls by sticking a needle into the phone. Do you ever remember doing that?
1: No, no, that I don't actually.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. So that, that was another hack that somebody had shown me. I did everything. How to get like free pop from the pop machine. Pop machine. Like, oh yeah. I, I knew. See, but that's,
1: that's, that's stealing. Um, and I, mean, but if you're going to remit a dollar a month payment, because there's a way to remit a dollar a month payment, then you're making a payment. You're providing the payment that they agree to. I mean, if you're going to shake the, if you're going to shake the machine and, and, you know, try to get your hickory sticks or whatever you're trying to get out of the machine, you know, that's technically stealing, right?
3: I know so, I was like 12 when I did it. So my oh, brain yeah. hadn't fully, my, my front prefrontal cortex had not developed. So I didn't know Well, we're
1: still having the conversation as adults. So we're both obviously <laughs> in the same boat here, uh, but I mean, if you're paying a dollar a month, you're paying a dollar a month. They're providing you the service. I would say that then, then that's their deal.
3: Okay. So what I'll do is I will record all the steps as I'm doing it. I won't make the video. I'll think about it. And then I'll report back to you if I've done it. And if anybody, all I need is one person to email me and say, do it. And then, you know what? Then I'm like, okay, I'm just spreading the knowledge.
1: Andy's looking for an enabler. So let's just move on here. Um, what are we doing in the gardening world? What's going on uh, here? Because you were working on all kinds of different things in your DIY garden world.
3: Yes. And I just got a video posted like hours ago, fresh off the press um, on my website, Handy Andy Media. If you go to the blog section, you can see I took reclaimed wood, someone's old fence panels, cedar fence panels, and some pallet wood and turned it into a standing height raised garden for my mom. And I got this for Mother's Day present. And I think I won Mother's Day, Shane. It was, it came out perfect. And I didn't even know if I had enough lumber to do it, but lo and behold, I had just enough to pull this off. And there's a video and you could see the pile of lumber that I I was grabbing all this lumber from. And it's only a three minute video. And you can see like just instantly how easy it is to make stuff out of reclaimed wood, you know, this upcycling is a big thing, especially with the price of lumber right now. That's really what you gotta do if you wanna create DIY projects because two by fours are so expensive right now. I'm this is the longest I've not gone to Home Depot in in probably 10 years, because I'm afraid for my my bank account if I do go there.
1: Yeah. Well, it is very, very expensive. By the way, you have now received three text messages that say, do it, Andy, do it, oh, do it. So, do it."
3: Okay. That's it. I'm going to do it. See, I want to, part of me wants to be a little naughty, you know, like you got to spice your life up, you know, get YouTube for $1 a month.
1: Cool. Uh, tell us what else you're working on here. we got a couple of minutes left because you've got some other um, things and you had a question for the audience. Uh, is the question, what what would you like people to see? What are they curious about?
3: Okay, so you know that I love creating this DIY content. And for the longest time, Shane, I've been trying to find a partner, an online platform that would want this kind of content. And I'm happy to say that I am very, very close to landing a deal to create all these different types of DIY content. Everything from even a jump rope series, Shane, they're going to pay me Hmm. to create a jump rope series to help people get fit because of, you know, staying at home with social distancing. You know, this... Society is going to open up one day. Everybody wants to look their best when they see their friends and family. And so they're like, you know, can you create a jump rope series? I'm like, yes. They're like, can you create a home and garden series about how to create vegetable gardens? I'm like, yes. They're like, can you create a series on how to create a a community garden? And I'm like, yes. So I think in a couple of weeks, I won't, I'm not going to try to jinx myself, but I'm working on this deal. And I think I'm going to be able to create all this hot how-to content for the people out there. So if there's anything that they want related to home and garden, please email me at Andy at HandyAndyMedia. Tell me what you want to see and I'll see if I can get this online platform to pay the bills so we can make it happen.
1: Yeah, so everyone can learn what it is. So some of the things that, I mean, I like the the garden, um, the raised garden things because where I live, there's so many bunnies. It's crazy and they yeah. will eat everything. Unfortunately, they don't eat dandelions and prickles, which are the things that I would love to get rid of. So for me, that would be a big one. I would also, I mean, self watering yeah. is the most amazing. I would also love cause those, you know, those, uh, the rain barrels, I would yes. love to see how to build a rain barrel out of like an upcycling rain barrel with a, with a liner as opposed to spending $100 on a plastic barrel, that to me seems ludicrous. Uh, whether it's a, I don't know if you would use a, an old school a, a metal garbage can with a lot, like, I don't know. But something like that with a faucet on the bottom, I like, mean, these are the kinds of things that I think would be, um, would be interesting for me. Does that ring a bell for you? Any ideas?
3: No, I think that's great. Another one that I was going to do was how to take weeds. You mentioned dandelions. I can show you how to take weeds out the fastest way without using chemicals because I've tried all those different ways and yeah. I finally found one tool that can do it within seconds. So something like that, I think is the kind of content you want to see. what's the tool? I want to know. It's just, oh, it's just, I don't, I don't even know what it's called, man, but it's like, it's really addictive. Is it one Once of those you ones take, you step on? It's like you step on it it's got this claw and it just goes yeah. right into the root ball and pops it out. Yeah. Oh, man. That I'm thing curious. When best. you figure that
1: out, let us know, because we all suffer from that one. Although I have had a similar sounding one anyway, and it kept breaking. So it's possible it was just absolutely cheap. Uh, so uh, Mark says, make dandelion wine. Whoa. Um, Catherine says, how do you find cheap wood? Uh, Derek Powerful. says, I want to see it grow some ghost peppers.
3: Okay, yeah.
1: Allie says, don't do it. Don't get banned from YouTube.
3: Yeah, that's true. I would have to create a new identity, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to create a new identity for that one. All right. These are a couple of things that uh, Andy will work on for you. If you have any um, make dandelion wine and use the leaves for salad, how to make vinegar. Okay. There's a lot of stuff there.
3: Wow. I have lots to learn. See, see, I get to learn too. And once I get to learn, then I'll make the video to show how everyone else, how they can make it as well.
1: Andy Barrar, HandyAndyMedia.com. Give him a Google, follow him on Twitter, and you can see all of the videos that he does create. Thank you, brother. Great to see you.
3: Great to see you, too.
0: Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast.
1: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.